630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Montreal, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Saskatchewan about to make their season debut at home against the Toronto Argos. Wow, long touchdown here for the Red Blacks. They can air it out. They can air it out. They're going to go up, well, 26-13 with the convert to come. So Ottawa is going to go to 2-0. Chris Williams, of course, that was about, uh, I'll have to watch the replay, about a 55-yarder. Trevor Harris in for Henry Burris, who's on the six-game DL. That young man doing well. Uh, Jason is on the open line. I will get to you, but we do have John Stanton, president and founder of The Running Room on tonight. John, great to have you back on the show. How are you doing? Great, Reed. Looking forward to Canada Day tomorrow. Here, now, here we go. In, a, in 12 hours, I will be hopefully about 6.2K. <laughs> no, I might even be a little faster than that, maybe 6.7K into the uh, 15K Canada Day road race. This is a uh, great event. Now, are you doing it tomorrow, John? I'm going to be there. At, at, uh, I won't be running tomorrow because we're also uh, involved with the uh, triathlon that's going on this weekend as well. The Great White North is uh, setting up for, for it as well. But I'll be down at the ledge. I'll be cheering you on. And, and I want to remind you that there's the champion of the hill read. So if you're the fastest male going up, you could win an extra $150. You be, could become a professional runner. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay, now here's the thing, though, in this circuit, which hill? Because there's Emily Murphy, <laughs> and then there's Fort Way Drive, which is the one that goes up by the Royal Glenora under the uh, LRT bridge, and it's right at the end of the 15K. That's right, and, and that's the one that gives you extra bragging rights, and that's one of the, the special things about the Canada Day race that Joan Radford and the crew organize is when you come up the hill towards the ledge, there's people cheering you on. It's a tough hill. And you got to grind it out to the top, and that's where they're going to be timing everybody on the hill. So you'll get your time not only for the the race itself, but they're going to give you your hill time. So you, along with anybody of your buddies that you're running with, can challenge each other to see who can be the fastest uh, champion amongst yourselves when going up on the hill. Let me ask you this, John, because people who run in Edmonton often go to the River Valley, which means elevation changes. Yes. Do you have to change your stride up or going up or da- up or down a hill? Well, yeah, you know, actually, you know, one of the little mantras we teach everybody when we're coaching them and they're running a hill is say this to yourself, the steeper the hill, the shorter your stride. If you think of a cyclist, when the cyclist's on a flat surface, they get to a hill, what do they do? They gear down. By gearing down, they make their workload a lot less effort. If you try to keep the same stride length as you're going up a hill, and you include the elevation, you've doubled your workload. So to keep your workload the same, just shorten your stride moderately as you go up the hill. You'll find it makes a huge difference. The other thing, Reed, to, to think of is our breathing. That's the other thing we don't like about going up the hill is that, you know, it, it causes us to breathe more, more strenuously. And one of the things you can do is look up the hill, keep your shoulders back, and by looking up the hill, you keep your posture correct with a nice, uh, correct vertical posture versus that hunched-over uh, impression that we see of runners running up the hill a lot of times. When we do that hunch-over, what we're doing is we're restricting our breathing. 
So if you keep your shoulders back, shorten your stride, you'll find that the hill is not nearly as challenging as you thought. And then when you're coming down Emily Murphy, what you want to think about is you've got this great training buddy with you. It's called gravity. And if you just open your stride moderately, much the same as the cyclist would go to a bigger gear, open your stride moderately and extend your stride slightly going down the hill. And again, lean forward. And if you feel you're getting out of control, just lean back. You'll see it'll slow you down. But if you use the, the, the momentum of your body going down the hill, you'll blast down the hill and you'll pass a ton of people going down the hill because what most people do is they lean backwards, and what they're doing is actually breaking going down the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad I asked you that because I've, I've kind of tried different things uh, doing hills, so I'll, I'll keep that in mind tomorrow. That, that It's a great track. And what I like to do, uh, if, if people don't know, you start by the ledge, you go down that Fortway yeah. Drive, you go along River Valley Road, you go across the Grote Bridge, you do a loop of Horlick Park, you go up Emily Murphy, you go uh, through the Windsor area, uh, was it called Windsor Park Windsor area, a yeah. little bit around Saskatchewan Drive, you turn around, and then you go down the hill across the bridge, back River Valley, and uh, up Fortway Drive. So you only do Horlick and the Windsor neighborhood once, but everything else is kind of an out and back. The you 15... River Valley a couple of times, which is a, a beautiful run. And, you know, there's some other excitement. You know, the runners are warmed up in the River Valley Health, and then the Singing of Canada by the Provincial Archive Singers. Uh, there'll be, uh, which is always exciting and, and emotional on Canada Day. The Edmonton Police Piper is there to get everybody going for the 15K start. And there's also a short tribute tomorrow to uh, former MLA and runner uh, Drew Hutton, and they're going to have a little tribute to Drew tomorrow as well. So it's going to be an exciting day, a great day to celebrate Canada Day, and a great day to do it. We're, we're looking at the weather, and it's going to be perfect conditions uh, for running tomorrow morning. Well, I like to hear that. And I like that distance, especially if anybody is thinking about doing a half marathon. Yes, you well, you know what 15, I've said to people yeah. many times is that, you know, the nice part about 15K, it's like when you're doing a half marathon. When you get to about 15K, you say, I wish this was over. The good part about tomorrow, it will be. <laughs> it will be. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, I know you'll be busy tomorrow, but hopefully uh, we'll have time to say hi. And, of course, runningroom.ca, right, if people want to uh, Absolutely, yep. look up some of your products and find out about future races, too. We'll see you tomorrow morning, Reed. Right All on. That is John Stanton checking in, the president and founder of The Running Room. I love this Canada Day race. I believe I started with the 5K in 2009. I've done the 15 every Canada Day since. I don't know if Jason has any uh, running on his platter for tomorrow, but you did uh, stay on hold through that interview, Jason. So either you're like, yeah, I'm a runner and I know all that, or you just learned a whole bunch. (laughs) I just learned a whole bunch. Good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not a runner if you could see me. Fair enough. It's never too late if you're interested. Uh, what's yeah. on your mind, buddy? <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Uh, I had some thoughts about the the hall trade. I don't know if you guys uh, have discussed that at all today, but we have. But, but I think oh. we'll be discussing it all summer. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, you guys, you're, you're the experts. So you correct me if I'm wrong. But like, I, and I'm not. I don't watch hockey as close as I used to. But everyone I talk to is an Oilers fan. The ones who are more um, warm to this trade are saying that Chiarelli is uh, a smart general manager, and like they talk about him like he's like Bill Belichick or something, right, as far as his knowledge of the game. And I don't quite see it. I mean, he was in Boston for 10 years. He won a Stanley Cup, but he was also fired from Boston, and that sounded to me like he was fired for decisions he made unilaterally, and the success was more of a 
of an entire front office effort. Yeah, I, I think that's a little oversimplifying it. I mean, the the team eventually wasn't as good as it used to be. I mean, he brought Zdeno Chara to Boston. That was pretty significant. Now, he traded Tyler Sagan, and, and they probably didn't get value for that, but he felt he needed to get Sagan out of that environment. Uh, I also well, and, think... And Boychuk as well. Yeah, he traded Boychuk for sure. You're right. And, and there were some cap issues there, and that's a lot of times what happens when a successful team, when a team is successful, you eventually can't pay everybody. Look how many people Chicago has gotten rid of. I, I totally get it. I'm just saying, though, if you read the interviews, which I had been, because I wanted to know a little bit about this guy, um, the uh, Cam Neely and uh, some of the uh, front office guys there, they made it sound like there's something sketchy going on with this guy. The, like we're sending him packing after a winning season, after winning a cup, and we're not going to say why. We're just going to say that there were there are issues uh, that that uh, we feel he's better off not being here. Uh, and that, to me, is a is a red flag that there may be some. I don't know. I think that there's something. The boy truck trade specifically, they say, set the team back years. And uh, this, to me, looks like. He comes here with a lot of uh, credibility that maybe he doesn't deserve. Well, I mean, I can't argue with you that he made moves that didn't work out. Some people question some of his draft picks in Boston. I know, I know, I've done interviews about that, and I don't, I don't think he's perfect. I think some things. I mean, look, the Taylor Hall trade's a tough one to swallow. I, I don't, I, I don't argue that. But I think as Oilers fans, you're kind of in his hands now for probably at least the next four years. And I guess the, if I'm going to be play devil's advocate to you here, Jason, 10 years is a pretty long time to be the general manager in one place. So if you were that irritating and that stupid, you probably wouldn't have lasted that long. Well, that makes sense. But so given everything you know that I've just stated, how many years do you give him before you uh, expect the Oilers to be in the playoffs? I think. Well, I think he's trying to make it happen this year. Personally, well, how I much will Nicholson give him? He's probably yeah. here. He's on a five-year deal, so he probably gets at least four, unless they just completely don't do anything the next two years. I just don't understand. Like, isn't this supposed to be hockey country? I mean, if you go down to uh, you know, uh, say Texas, like football country, the demand to win is always there. And like, where is the demand to win? When you're, you know, after the run, you know, the the last decade, you're going to give, you know, four or five years to rebuild again. No, I see. I don't. I don't think that. I think there is a demand to win. I, I don't think he's being given four or five years for the team to get better. Um, but I, I don't. I mean, look, I don't think the team can win the Stanley Cup this year. I I just don't. And I don't think that's on Shirelli if they don't. I, I'm just going to leave with one thought. I think that the team could be in the hands now of somebody who it's like in uh, Batman movies, you know, when they say you you turn in desperation or whatever, you turn to someone you don't fully understand. I think that's what we did here, and I think we're 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 in a lot of trouble because I don't trust the moves that this guy's making. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. They don't add up. So yeah, appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Jared on the line. Hey, Jared, how's it going? Good. Um, I just got to make a call. I called in your show with you and uh, Bob Brown right about the time they traded for Patrick Maroon. Yes. And I and I made the comment to you that I felt that Taylor Hall and, and Jordan Eberle and all these guys are going to be traded because they're not Peter Shirelli's type of player. And I think one reason why we didn't get much 
for Taylor Hall is because the other GMs know that Peter Shirelli is going to be moving these guys, that they're not his mold, the big, strong, heavy forward. And so he's getting desperate. And I think he revealed that a little bit too much, that he's looking for a certain type of player. And then their top four players don't fit that description. Therefore, he's being forced to trade these guys, not getting everything uh, that he should get back in return. Well, I, I think maybe for me, Jared, the more than more than what you're saying is that everybody in the league knows the Edmonton Oilers' weaknesses, and specifically yeah. right shot D. I think that affects um, the negotiations. So maybe more so than, and I don't know if he's going to trade all three of the guys. Uh, he might trade one more this summer. We'll see. We'll we'll see what he can get. But yeah, I mean, he was not dealing from a position of a lot of strength. He did trade from the position that they have a lot of, and that's and that's younger forwards. He traded you know, the second best one. One comment about Taylor Hall, and, and he's a fantastic player. He's tremendously talented. But when he had the, his his interview that he was leaving, the one thing that bothered me a little bit was he said that he was slighted, and that it's an indictment on his character. And I still always think that there's too much of that me, me, me attitude. And I think that translates onto the ice. And I think that if Taylor Hall had a failure, it was the fact that he could not make his teammates around him better. And all the guys like Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant eventually came to the point where they had to become like that in order to win. And I don't think he's realized that. And, and unless he can figure that out, He's just going to be a guy kind of like a Phil Kessel where you slot in. But I do think he has the ability to be a, a real dominating player if he can figure that end out. And I, I still don't think he has. And I think that hurt him because with all their first overall picks, they should have been, uh, I think they should have had a much better team. Jared, thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. I got an email from Corey, inside sports at 630shed.com. He says, so what worries me now, our only on-ice driver slash leader is 19 years old. Those who couldn't see the on-ice driver Hall was are blinded by years of disappointment. I hope the team is better, but I remember when Smith and his measly 20 goals left the team, and we totally have sucked ever since. Smith wasn't about the 20 goals. He dragged his team along just as Hall has done. Without Hall, this team was 15 points less overall, but we would have had Matthews. Dreisaitl would have had 20 points without Hall. This was a terrible trade as per the consensus around sports. That is uh, from Corey emailing in tonight. All right, uh, who's next? Matthew is on the line. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Good. Can you hear me okay? Go ahead. Perfect. I was just wanting to uh, change the subject up just a little bit. Wondering if you want to talk a little CFL ball with me right now. I can uh, give you about 90 seconds, then I'm going to take a break. All right, well, I just want everybody to know that a crucial game to watch right now, and it's going to really affect the Eskimos coming up, is the Riders against the Argos. So I want everybody to see how Darian Durant plays, because right now that call, that game could be very decisive on whether or not Ed Hervey pulls the trigger with Chris Jones to trade James Franklin over to the Riders. Two things you got to watch out for. A, does Darian Durant stay healthy? If so, then that delays the trade. B, does he perform? And I don't mean does he perform to, to like, par standards. Darian Durant basically has people breathing down his neck because, A, he's made of glass, 
And two, he had already took a hometown discount to play with the Riders, and we all know Chris Jones is the guy to make tough decisions and cut the popular players. So if you want to see if James Franklin goes in the next couple of weeks to the Riders, tonight is the game that you guys got to watch. And it's already uh, 7 nothing for Toronto. They got a touchdown in the first two minutes. Matthew, I'll talk to you again. See you. Great. Good night. It is uh, 8.21. If you're on hold, stay there. Inside Sports on Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, we're tight for time here. We've got a couple of live guests in the last half hour, so I'm going to give three guys here about a minute each, starting with Adam. Go ahead, Adam. Adam, are you there? Hello? Yeah, go ahead, buddy. you got about 40 uh, seconds now. I think... Hello, Adam. He has been our... Best and top right wing. He's in the top three in the league. He's like Dubin or Larson caliber. I just can't see why he wasn't traded for somebody that that caliber. Why Yakupov or Abelay uh, were not given instead of Paul? Well, Adam, don't we know the answer to that? I mean, do you really think Peter Shirelli could have traded less and got Larson? I mean, do you think that the, the New Jersey Devils asked for Yakupov and Shirelli insisted on trading them Hall? I think I think maybe he would have he should have went for RNH and a second round pick at the most. But Hall is I think the future of this organization. He's central to our team and has always been consistently our top player for the past five years, if not second at, at worst. Right. Well, and that, and that's fine. But I'm I'm just saying that Shirelli's option was not trading other players. It was doing this trade or not doing it at all. Those those were the two options. We have Dwayne on the line. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, pump the brakes. You know, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. Come on, people. You know what? What's the worst that can happen? We end up in last place again? Right. At least there's something different on the table. Like, come on. Shirelli's won the Stanley Cup. Shirelli has a lot of people he knows in the league. It's not like he's Craig McTavish without experience, you know, where you can say, and think about the cap space that he just made. That's $2.2 million in cap space. That's some uh, good, that's a really good complimentary player. Like, come on, there's more to this than just getting rid of Taylor Hall. And just something had to change. What are we going to do? go into last place again if we have Hall. I, I've had enough of that. I, even if you're a little bit of a difference, you know? Even if we're in 25th place, even if we're in 20th place, it's still better than what we are right now. Dwayne, thanks for calling. And last word this half hour goes to Andy. Hey, Reed, The deal's done. We can't change it. I just want to ask, given all your knowledge, what would you have done? If you had to trade Taylor Hall yesterday and you were Shirelli, what would you have done? I would have done it. The exact same way? If that was the if that was the best I could get and I needed D that bad, I probably would have done it. As much as I've I've said it's not a fair trade. Now, this is knowing that if I had I had other moves that I'm pretty sure were gonna fall into place. Okay. No, I just interested because I hear everybody else's opinion, but no, I just wanted to hear yours. Thanks, Andy. Then again, if I were the GM of the Oilers, I don't know if people would be happy ever. 
Uh, we're going to talk to a Canadian Olympian when we get back inside Sports on Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Ottawa beats Montreal 28-13 in the Canadian Football League. The other game is Toronto at Saskatchewan and the uh, Riders... Not looking good. It's already 14-0 for the Argos halfway through the first quarter. The Blue Jays lose 4-1 to the Cleveland Indians. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show a Canadian Olympian, Jen Kish. She plays for the Rugby Sevens team. Jen, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Great to have you on the show. I wanted to uh, to have you on again before you, you head off to Rio and you're, you're heavy into all the stuff there and it's uh, harder for you to do interviews. So what's the team doing now for training? Where are you at? Um, so right now we're just getting into our final prep stage for Rio and on July 22nd uh, we head off to Toronto Um for training camp there and then uh, Rio I think uh, July 30th we're going to Rio de Janeiro so um, you know uh, the training's hard and intense but um, you know we're putting in the work and we're really excited. All right now is it pretty much the same roster that qualified last summer or have you had to make some changes? There's some changes within the roster Um, the full um, official roster will be let out on uh, July 8th um, so, uh, I guess people have to stay tuned to see what that looks like. Um, <laughs> but it's very competitive here and, um, it's good because there's a lot of depth now within Canada and, um, that's great to see for the future of rugby. Jen, remind everybody how rugby sevens is different from, uh, a, a traditional rugby or whatever you would call it. Uh, rugby sevens is, um, a game that's over 14 minutes. Um, with a two-minute half, you play three games a day in uh, two days, so a total of six. In the in Rio for the Olympics, it's going to be over three three days, and it's going to be two games a day. So it's a little bit different. Um, and there's a total of 12 teams for the women, and there's 16 teams for the men. And this is the first time it's ever been in the Olympics. Yeah, it's going to be uh, monumental, actually. So we're, we're pretty excited to be uh, part of the, the history part of it. Now, how how good is is Canada? I mean, are, are you a medal favorite? Are you are you highly ranked? Uh, I, I know, obviously, you're hoping to win win the gold medal, but tell fans where Canada fits in on the international stage. Yeah. So currently, um, over the past few years, we've been um, top three in the world consistently. Um, right now we currently sit, uh, third place. Um, so we're definitely medal contenders. Um, I don't, you know, we want to win gold. I can foresee us winning, um, a medal for sure. But, um, you know, uh, we have a great program, um, in Canada and, um, it's, we're based here in Victoria and all the work that we're putting in, um, you know, it's a reflection of our of how we finished each year. So, um, top three since 2012 till now. So, it's um, we have a really good shot. 
All right, Jen Kish joining us, uh, Edmonton native, member of the Canadian women's sevens, uh, am I saying it right, rugby sevens women's team uh, for, for Team Canada. Uh, now, you you were born in the East, but you mostly grew up in Edmonton, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, which, where'd you go to high school? I went to W.P. Wagner. Right near 630 Chet. How'd you get into rugby? Um, basically, I, uh, I come from multiple sports, um, but... My football coach in high school uh, introduced the sport to me and said I should go try out for the women's team, and I did. And ever since then, my uh, my career kind of just took off. All right. Now, can you play this sport uh, professionally, or or like, <laughs> what what do you do when you're not with the Canadian team? Yeah, I guess it just depends on what people call uh, what professional is. Um, we don't get paid an awful lot, but this is a job that's from seven till three um so we don't have any other jobs besides the rugby um outside of rugby you know you're recovering so it's it's almost it's a non-stop kind of job for us um so it's it's very professional um i just kind of wish we uh we got paid like it right (laughs) I can't. I can't blame you for saying that. Uh, it's a pretty fast-paced game, isn't it? I mean, I, I expect when people watch it in the Olympics, they will see uh, elements of fifteen-on-fifteen rugby, but they might be a little surprised with some things too. Yeah, I mean, the beauty about sevens is that you don't really have to know the game um, because there's scoring every minute, or it could be every thirty seconds, depending on who you're playing. So it's exciting, and you get to see, um, you know, a crap ton of teams in in uh, uh, within the time span of like eight to ten hours. Um, so it's uh, you you will get aspects of the 15s game, but um, I think sevens is is much more exciting because you don't really have to understand it, and I'm sure Canada is going to fall in love with it when they see it on their TVs um, when the Olympics are are going on. All right, so your leave for Rio, I'm just Googling your uh, schedule on the fly here. Do you know when you play already? Uh, yeah, we play on the 6th, 7th, and 8th of August, and the opening ceremonies are on August 5th. Okay, so see so you're right at the start of the Olympics. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, Jen, I, I'm so glad we were able to... Uh, to connect all the best for you representing Canada in uh, Rio. This is a, a really cool sport. You're a great Edmonton success story for being on the team. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports, and let's keep in touch, okay? For sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Right on. That is Jen Kish checking in tonight from the Canadian Rugby Sevens Olympic team. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. I I just want to go back to the text line here because I I feel like, Kellen, as you know, sometimes, especially when we're talking Oilers and, and how miserable it's been, it's a little bit like doing therapy. And I feel I need to help somebody tonight. And his name is Corey. And he texted a lot last night. And I believe uh, he, I believe it's him that emailed me which is rare to get an email to inside sports at 630chad.com, and he's still been texting in. And he's really upset, and he's really upset about the Hall trade. He says, Peter Shirelli is remembered for getting waxed on the Sagan deal. Uh, he says, Shirelli didn't have the patience to wait two days. Don't try to tell me New Jersey wouldn't have made this trade July 20th. He says, I'm still in shock. I can't believe this has happened. After all, Edmonton fans have suffered. Gretzky, Messier, Cujo, Waite, Smith all over again. Just brutal. 
Then he says, the heart of the team is ripped out again. I hope McDavid has very big shoulders at the age of 19. It's a difficult trade to swallow when you look at it one for one. There is no doubt about that. I guess my counter question to Corey, and Corey, trust me, man, I want you to be okay. I'm an Edmontonian. I want the Oilers to do well. I want the Eskimos to do well. I don't want to spend the rest of my broadcasting career in this job, however long it is, talking about teams in the bottom three in the league every single year in the NHL. I really don't. But, Corey, I want you to to take a deep breath wherever you are now. I want you to put your phone aside, close your eyes, and just zone in on the sound of my voice. Unless you're driving. Don't do that. And I I just want to ask you a question, Corey. What did you expect to happen this summer? Because if your preference was for Peter Shirelli not to do anything and come back with the same defense and the same roster then what did, what did you expect to happen? Because clearly the same defense and the same roster wasn't going to be in the playoffs or even in the playoff picture. Corey, I want to tell you something, and I really want you to listen to this, and I usually wouldn't speak for Peter Shirelli, but I'm going to do it in this case. Peter Shirelli didn't make this trade to personally offend you. I'm sure if Peter Shirelli met you, he would shake your hand and say, Corey, I know you like Taylor Hall. But damn it, I had to do something to change this team and to make it different. And I don't know if it's going to work, Corey. But this was the best deal I could get. Could have he waited? Sure, maybe the deal wouldn't be there at all, Corey. You don't know that. You don't know what could have happened July 20th. This is the reality we have to live in now. Maybe it's going to turn out bad, Corey. I'm not going to say anything else to you. Maybe it's going to turn out bad. Maybe the team will be better. Again, don't assign losses on June 30th when the games don't start until October 12th. That's all I'm saying, buddy. I care about you. You can text the show a lot. I'm probably not going to read every single text like I did tonight because I don't want to make it the Corey show. But just ask yourself, what did you expect to happen? You knew there had to be change, and you probably knew it had to be painful change. Brett says it's done. We should get behind our team and trust management to get the most out of our players. Cutting down Larson before he even has a chance to play is a loser attitude. We should be welcoming him and making him feel wanted. That is true. 7804960063. You can text us at 63630. Still 14 nothing. Toronto leading Saskatchewan in the Canadian Football League. The Cleveland Indians have won 13 consecutive games. They beat the Blue Jays. 4-1 tonight. The Oilers are going to buy out Lori Korpakoski. They put him on waivers for that very purpose. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more on the Brick Invitational, and then in about seven minutes, we're going to bring in Jesus to the show. I'm serious. You'll find out. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mike Riley and the Eskimos, yeah, back at work next week, next Friday, 8 o'clock kickoff against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The pregame show will be two hours. It'll start at 6. The Riders down 14 nothing late in the first quarter in their uh, home opener, season opener, against the Toronto Argos. Hey, Andy Wigston is the 
tournament director for the Brick Invitational. Best 10-year-olds from around North America, 14 teams. It starts Monday at the Ice Palace in West Ed. I talked to Andy this afternoon. Well, so what do you what do you remember about that first year relative to where the tournament is now? Oh, it was it was uh, we thought it was big back then. I mean, it was eight teams over a three-day weekend, and you know there, this this mall was uh, there was no dressing rooms, there was no players' boxes. We had to build all our own, and it was a big job. And we thought, wow, this could be a lot of fun if we could keep it going, right? Now you just it's just grown. It has a that has a life of its own. You know, it's uh, it was wonderful. Craig Craig and Bill coached the team, and I managed the team, and we ran the tournament. So, well, it's amazing when you read the NHL players who have come to Edmonton for a, a summer hockey tournament. And they've gone to be stars in the NHL. We look at it this way, Reed. We look at it. There's 235 kids this year, and we sit here and we watch all the games, and we know that four or five of them are going to be in the NHL. We just don't know which ones, right. and that's the fun part, right? Nobody. There's there's kids like you'll, you'll see. I remember when Chris Colano got. Uh, drafted into the NHL, and he was in the tournament. And I thought, I thought he'd ever make it, right? And he, he got he had a real good career. So you really don't know who's going to make it. Uh, the big ones, like you know, Subban and. Ryan Nugent Hopkins and all the, and Damon Phaneuf, all those guys, right? But they're still just 10-year-old kids, right? So we know, but we just don't know who. Incredible. Uh, I mean, I know you guys thank the volunteers and stuff at the podium, but I want to give you a chance to do it here because so many people involved that, that you might not see. That's true. We've, I've got about a core of about 45 to 50 volunteers that come back every year. It's kind of a... We're, 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 it's a this tournament's kind of interesting for these guys because they all come back together, and it's their team. And we have lots of fun together, and it's about the only time of the year we all see each other. And so uh, we have this crew of people that come every year, and they just love it, and they just do such a great job. Great job. I mean, it's tough to put on something like this, and they do a great job. It makes it real easy for us guys. And just for people looking for a spectator experience, I know some people are missing hockey games now. So, I mean, basically, if you're in the mall, just drop, drop by, because something's going on starting right. Monday. It's free, and it's nine games on Monday and Tuesday, eight games on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The semifinals on Saturday. Saturday, the final on Sunday. The Golden Bears put on a fabulous skills competition Sunday morning. So if you want to come and have coffee on Sunday morning and watch this, it's a hoot. So it's a it's a full week of, of free hockey and lots of fun. That is Andy Wigston. He's the Brick Invitational Tournament Director. They had their launching news conference today. And the games will start, uh, yeah, Monday morning. Good stuff. Love that tournament. Uh, I just want to get to this. Victor Troisky, tennis player at Wimbledon today. I, I just cut up some of the audio. This Kellen. is something else. Okay, this is awesome. So the the his opponent served served. The lines person called it out. Yep. And then the ump the chair umpire overruled and said no, it hit the line. So he picks up the ball and starts showing it to the umpire. Mm -hmm. And then I edited it down. And then there's some audio from after the match as well. No way! Look at him! Come on, please look at it! Once! Once! Look at it! Yeah, that's so there is he smashed the ball into the crowd. Right. Worst yeah. player ever in the world! What are you doing? You, did you did you see the ball? You're so bad! You're horrible! This is after the match. What do you want to talk about? You're the worst ever! One please! One please! Do you know what you did? In one moment, do you know what you did? When you saw the ball, I 
was showing you the ball it's out it was like this out I didn't see that way but you didn't see anything today you didn't see anything today do you know are you aware of that you made 30 mistakes not for me for him also all right Victor <laughs> Troisky unhappy he did not he did not win the match either but uh, that's okay. Eugenie Bouchard and Milos Raonic both won their matches to go to the third round. Uh, exciting soccer game today. Portugal beat Poland on penalty kicks. Uh, Kevin Jesus works over at Global Television. He's a huge Portugal fan. How do I say the final score in this game? One, they they they, they won one one. Is that what I say? How do I say you know it? You know what, Reed? To me, I just say Portugal won two to one. It's just that simple. But the FIFA matter. website doesn't say that. It says one one with a five and a three in brackets. Oh uh, yeah. Hey, they, they won five three on penalty kicks. There you go. Okay. All right. So Kevin Jesus and I used to work together in Lloyd Minster. You are a Portuguese human being, first of all. Of <laughs> <laughs> you are of Portuguese descent, and you are a yeah. massive uh, soccer fan. And in 2004, we were both working in Lloyd, and you had me over to your apartment, and we watched like several matches together. And despite Greece beating Portugal twice in three weeks, you refused to give Greece credit for winning the tournament. Have I said anything so far that's a lie? Yeah, you know, you pretty much hit everything, uh, <laughs> the nail on the head right there. All right. I'm so bitter about it, and it's been like 12 years. Yes, you're still upset about it. Now, I said on Twitter today... Portugal setting themselves up nicely for another semifinal disappointment. Now, I was being a troll, but that has happened to them, hasn't it? Yeah, they, this is, I think, their fifth semifinal appearance in, uh, since 2000. Um, so, I mean, they're, they've had a lot of disappointments. Uh, they've had a lot of struggles. Uh, but I'm confident history has proven, if you go back by uh, trends, that this will be Portugal's year. And I say that because... Euro 96, they were quarterfinals. Uh, 2000, they were semifinals. 2004, they lost in the final. So then they reset in 08, where they lost in the quarterfinals, lost in the semifinals in 2012. So clearly, they're going to win the championship this year. I mean, history, you can't go against it. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, yeah. now that's five semifinals in World Cups and Euros combined, right? That's correct, yeah. So every every second year. So, so Now, what, what has allowed them to be a contending team for so long? Quite frankly, their midfield. Portugal has always produced some uh, amazing midfielders from the Luis Figos to Rui Costas, most recently Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, kind of around there. Uh, and then, I mean, just uh, today we saw Renato Sanchez, 18 years old, and he's proving that he is uh, a tremendous player who was just bought by Bayern Munich, I believe, for like 40 million pounds. And that was starting to look like a steal of a deal for the German Giants. No, what a, now conversely, and I'm not going to be a troll here. I'll ask you the legitimate question. Conversely, what has prevented Portugal from ultimately getting to the top of one of these major international competitions? Reed, I don't know if you have enough time left in your show to go through that list. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, a lack of a bona fide striker has been their biggest weakness. And uh, number two, quite frankly, has been their attitude. Far too many times Portugal beats themselves up and they just get distracted by the little things. When Cristiano Ronaldo went down in that penalty box today and the, there was no call, which it should have been a call, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Portuguese fan, it was clearly a penalty. Um, the, you know, in, in years past, Portugal would have started to fall apart. Instead, they realized that momentum was perhaps starting to shift towards them, and, um, you know, they pushed through, and thanks to that Ronaldo Sanchez goal, uh, we ended up uh, 
getting to uh, penalty kicks, and uh, we're awaiting now uh, Belgium or Wales. And Belgium's probably going to win, right? And they're really good? You know what? I mean, Belgium has been the, the talk of the last couple of years. They're a fantastic team, but, man, Wales has been playing really well, and you can't discount Gareth Bale, especially offset plays. Uh, I expect this one to be a really tight game. I would give the edge to to Belgium. But man, you never know what will happen. All right, just want to wrap up. I got a text from a listener named Slav who says Portugal got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, my friend. Kevin Jesus from Global Television. Quick update on uh, Euro 2016 and the plight of the Portuguese soccer team. They are an interesting one to follow. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Fun show. Uh, We'll have to get to Cassie Campbell either tomorrow or uh, next week about being named to the Order of Canada. You you heard from Jen Kish, John Stanton, Marc-Antoine Godin, Jeff Merrick, Brendan Ulrich was in studio. We're on at 11 tomorrow morning for free agency coverage earlier if the Oilers do something significant. And there will be a fresh edition of Inside Sports on Canada Day from 6 to 9. I don't know if fresh is the word. It's, it's not a best of. It's a new show. I'll be here live or at the rink. That's all, what I'm saying. All CanCon music tomorrow night too, Reed. So. Oh, you've picked some? Nice. I, I have some. Everybody get your picks ready. <laughs> That's great. Send them to me for the text line. That's the studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. He's on holidays. Brendan Ulrich was helping produce this week. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Talk tomorrow. Taking off your clothes, taking off my clothes, give me 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.